0: Hi everyone, I'm Dee
1: and I'm Alex
0: and together we're DNA
1: and you're listening to the DNA of Mindful Relationships podcast. Have you ever been in a relationship with a third influence? Could be a person, could be an activity, could be an event, could be something that has an impact on the time you spend with your partner.
0: Hmm. Sounds like a third wheel to me. Yeah. Let's explore that and more things on this episode called Two's Company and Three's a Crowd. In any monogamous intimate relationship... There are often people and things that can interfere in the strong connection between two people and become the third member of the relationship. Instead of a strong bond or connection, the relationship is diluted by this third entity. The energy that you need to put into the us of a relationship is shared between three components instead of two. Now, this can include um, having a, a friend... A parent or family member, a child or children. Mother-in-law. A mother-in-law, father-in-law. A mobile phone can be the third entity in a relationship. Here's a good one that often happens quite a bit um, in relationships where work is the third entity. A pet could be, you know, all the love and attention is placed on a pet, like my little velvet. (laughs) Um, a hobby. could be a hobby, an interest area. could be the gym or exercise. It could be a religious activity or it could be a lover, Ooh. which takes it into a whole other realm. So any one of these things and, and, and more that we haven't even mentioned can start to weaken the connection as one person is turning away from the relationship and turning towards someone or something else for support, guidance, interaction – attention, and it only becomes problematic if one person in the relationship starts feeling unhappy and distant, unloved and cared for.
1: Mm. So, yeah, I think there are many relationships that would probably have a third entity and not really be fully aware that there is another force at play.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about, you mentioned a mother-in-law. You know, that's the classic, you know, complaint about mother-in-laws. They, you know, they interfere, they get too involved. So what were you referring to?
1: Well, I think uh, just in the dynamic of a relationship where you have a couple um, that may be receiving undue influence from a family member, it doesn't have to be a mother-in-law, but it could be any family member that potentially is in someone's ear. Uh, now, they may just be having an opinion on the partner mm-hmm. and, I guess, clouding the judgment, I guess, of the, uh, the other participant. Um, they might be um, talking about how the couple are living, how they're coping, uh, all the things that can start to have an impact on how the mm. couple relate to each other.
0: Yeah, and look, that's that's really normal. I think you can't live in a bubble as a couple. So people come with baggage. They come with parents. They come with friends. They come with um, even children. <laughs> in our case, we did. Um, they they come with you know extra relationships that may not have a connection to the other person in the relationship.
1: Now that's not a problem until it's a problem.
0: Yes. So, when does it become a problem?
1: Well, I'm guessing it's a problem when uh, the couple – it it has a negative impact on how the couple relate to each other. So, for instance, if you have a family member that is in the ear of one of you and is uh, causing you to feel differently or – cause trouble I guess and I don't know how else to define that Um, but I think it's it's really more about how do you set boundaries in Mm. your relationship so with your partner discussing what is the level of impact that a third party should have on your relationship Mm. and I think that's that's more so where it's important to understand the impact that it's having on both of you and what the boundaries should be mm. so that it doesn't have a negative impact.
0: I think that's the key word here, boundaries, because the boundaries are really, uh, like I was saying earlier, the us of the relationship. How do you maintain that boundary around the two of you as a couple, as a as a unique entity if you like? Um, and... You know, it's it's okay to um, talk to other people to, um, you know, seek guidance from other people, and whether that is a family member or a friend, or it could even be, you know, a professional like a counsellor. How do you do that, but within balance, so that the the boundary of your relationship is still maintained?
1: Yeah, and I think that's those. Yeah, are, but how do you do it? Well, they <laughs> <laughs> they often lead to some difficult conversations. Mm. Because it's it become, it's only an issue when it becomes a problem. If it's a problem for both of you, then you can both work together to work out what the boundary yeah. should be. If it's only a problem for one of you, that's when it becomes difficult.
0: It becomes a bit tricky. I think that's really that's the challenge when it's not a problem for the person that's seeking that support outside of the relationship or seeking that connection outside of the relationship. But it becomes a problem for the other person.
1: Yeah, and look, I, I've I've got friends who, um, you know, one one member of the couple was a gym junkie, loved going to the gym all the time. The other not so much, and I think the um, seeing, uh, you know, one person go to the gym constantly almost became like they were having an affair with the gym. Mm. Um, and so it's I guess it's balancing that because it effectively changes the dynamic of the relationship if someone's going to the gym every day uh you know for long periods or even multiple times you know and the other person is not necessarily a gym junkie as such there's a point to which you can have a level of understanding of that that's the other person's need to be able to do Mm. that but at some point it may become uh, a negative uh impact on the relationship i guess in terms of it's sucking up time attention um just a whole lot of things
0: particularly if if the person that's using the gym that's that's attending the gym is using it as their source of um you know bonding and connecting with other people as well and there's very little time and energy left for the relationship that's when it can become very problematic So, you could replace the gym example with any other hobby. So, someone who, for example, likes to… Yeah, go to the footy, watch the footy, watch reruns, watch… Is that what they call reruns? Um, Watch, you know, anything to do with um, football, sport, you know, that kind of thing. Work is another common one. You know, people that are working very, very long hours then come home and continue to work at home. And again, where is that energy and time um, for the relationship? And over time, if that continues long enough, then the relationship it can erode at the, at the bonds.
1: Yeah. And look, I think some people can have very understanding partners and they will support them regardless of how much time they spend you know, in their vocation or whatever the, that interest is. Um, but I guess it's ensuring that you have a constant dialogue with your partner to make sure that they are still supportive and still feeling of the same mindset that what you're doing um, they obviously will support to the degree that you're Mm. doing it
0: so here's here's another example and this one is a little uh subtle it's a bit more subtle than the other ones and that's Um, a focus on children or a particular child and what we're talking about here is um, forming like a triangle if you like between um, one person in the relationship the child and the other person in the relationship and triangles in relationships um, don't work very well
1: I think we covered that off in the drama triangle didn't we (laughs)
0: Um, slightly different type of triangle, but in this case it's like all again the energy, the time the um, the love the affection all goes to the to the child in this case and very little is left over for the relationship
1: and that can often look that can often happen with a newborn and that's completely Definitely. understandable yeah right uh, so
0: it's normal
1: yeah exactly so the the problem becomes Uh, when the relationship exists purely to support the children. Um, You know, if one member of the couple is just really still in the relationship because they are there to provide support, time, everything for the child, the other person may feel left out and neglected.
0: Mm. And if that's happening, and it's happening over a long period of time, to me – it's often a sign that something's not working well within that relationship. So people in that relationship are turning away from each other rather than towards each other.
1: And that, that can obviously result in the dissolution of the relationship early on or that may happen at the empty nest moment in time when there is no other distraction.
0: Yeah. It could be the sign of the beginning of that process. No. Or it, it could be how, unfortunately, some relationships maintain themselves um, because there is a focus on other things. And in doing that, there's not a lot of focus on the things that really need to be addressed and talked about, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. And I guess, look, those, those things where there's another person, that can happen from time to time. Um, those activities that take you away from the house uh, can also happen from time to time, from time to time. But I guess the more insidious uh, types of influence are those within the house that are there all the time, like a mobile phone.
0: Ah, now that's a good one.
1: You know, because you're you're still present, but you're not present. Yes. Um, and so the difficulty is that. You're, you're not there to participate in discussions. You're not uh, present to what's going on. You're really on the screen most of the time in the presence of your partner. And, you know, that is not always as obvious a problem, uh, again, until it becomes a problem for one of you.
0: Yeah. So, the mobile phone is a, is a tricky one because we all use our mobile phones to... Um, communicate with our friends, keep in touch with people, but we also use it for work, for emails. Um, Pretty much our whole lives are on that phone. So it's very easy to find yourself lost in scrolling through your phone and, um, you know, there's a a sense of uh, timelessness (laughs) as well. We, We often call it, what do we say?
1: Going down the rabbit hole.
0: Going down the rabbit hole. Because you you know you can waste hours if if you want to, but here's the here's the trick with um, mobile phones and um, those sort of distractions, I guess, for the relationship. And that is to set a boundary, like you said. So how do we set boundaries, Alex, with all of these third parties in our relationships that that are making us unhappy or interfering or just stopping us from being able to get the most out of the relationship.
1: Oh, that's not a rhetorical
0: question? <laughs> that's a real question. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm looking for answers here. I'm
1: never sure when it's rhetorical. <laughs> um, yeah, again, look, it's it, it's about setting boundaries. So, I think if you are both of the opinion that you want to have more connection time with each other. So, you've finished work, you've had dinner, you might be sitting down to watch a bit of TV or something Should you both be sitting there next to each other, scrolling on the phone, not really communicating with each other, but just doing your own thing? Now, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with doing that for some time. Mm -hmm. But it becomes problematic when that's pretty much how you spend all your time when you are together without really being together. Mm -hmm. So I guess as long as you're both on the same page and decide that you want to be more present then that's probably easily determined because you can both come up with a set of rules that you both stick to. The problem is when one of you wants to keep doing it and the other one doesn't.
0: Mm, exactly. And that that's where it becomes a bit more challenging. But being able to bring it up with your partner in a, in a um, gentle but, you know, firm way, it sounds like I'm saying two opposites, but you um, you know, not in a blaming or accusatory way, like you're always talking to your mother or um, you're always on your bloody phone or whatever it is because that, that just incites um, conflict and defensiveness and you're not going to get very far with that. I
1: think you want to dangle a carrot, not use the whip.
0: Oh, I'm glad you said carrot after that word. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want, yeah, and look, maybe one way could be that you look at ways that you and your partner can connect more um away from that third entity you know create more intimacy in your relationship um, through shared interests and, and activities.
1: It might be dinner time, no phones at the table.
0: Setting rules is another really good way to do it like um, you know I don't know why in relationships we always assume our partner knows you know what we want um, we assume that our partner, will agree with everything that we want as well. So have discussions about the boundaries. What are the boundaries? What are the rules? You know, you can create the rules that you want for your relationship. And if one of the rules are no mob- mobile phones at the dinner table, then, and you both agree, there is nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. So, Dee, let me ask you this. How do you handle a situation where one wants that and the other one doesn't.
0: Yes. So then it's a bit of a stalemate there. Um, I, I think if you're genuine with your partner about wanting to build more intimacy and closeness, then um, – and your partner cares about you and cares about your feelings and you're approaching it from a more genuine desire to connect and not not a blaming – not not from a stance of blaming – um then you would hope that they would kind of meet you halfway try you, you know trying to always reach a win-win situation where you win and your partner wins and being creative with how you do that so for example if you suggest the rule of no mobile phones on the table and your partner says yes but i need my phone i might get a you know urgent call um then you know maybe say after dinner we can check our phones and then we can put our phones away so that you you know you kind of help with that anxiety of why they might need their phone with them all the time
1: so let me ask you this so there's a, there's a difference between the genders right so and there's is a few there? differences yeah one or two <laughs> name them <laughs> well one of them is that And this is a generalization, but Mm -hmm. guys probably don't need to be in touch with their girlfriends constantly. Whereas many ladies have a close friend or a mother or someone that they want to communicate with more regularly. Could be daily, could be two, three times a day, could be a few times a week. So I think from a guy's point of view... It, it's not a problem if your partner wants to be in touch with another person quite a lot. But it becomes a problem, I guess, when it's constant, it's all the time, and it's detracting from your relationship mm. together. Mm. Uh, now, I know that's a big generalisation. Yeah, it is
0: a generalisation because, you know, let, let's use us as an example because, you know, then we're not generalising. Yep. I know that when when we started dating, that you were constantly on your phone and even when we were eating dinner, you would scroll through your phone. Yes, you look surprised. <laughs> Who, me? I
1: don't
0: know what <laughs> and, you're talking about. You know, I think I started by initially making fun of it, but um, I think you became much more conscious of what you were doing and you were responsive to my request um, even though, you know, the phone still comes out sometimes at the table, but it doesn't get constantly looked at, which I'm fine with. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's something, it's a work in progress. It's something that you keep working on and it's no different to any other part of the relationship where you're trying hard to work on, you know, keeping that connection going. But and what that,
1: about what about my instance the the example I've just given about you know having a friend or a family member that you're in touch with daily or multiple times a day mm-hmm. and your partner doesn't have that same relationship with someone the uh,
0: equivalent sort of relationship with someone else Exactly Yeah
1: So you know, I think most guys are happy if their partner is happy and that's what makes her happy to talk to her girlfriend all day. That's fine to a point. Um, how how does one raise that with your partner? Um,
0: Very carefully. <laughs> yeah, because
1: cause that's different than the mobile phone example where you're saying, well, I just want to be more present with mm-hmm. you. Or is it? Or are you saying, look, I, I I, don't mind that you want to speak to your girlfriend five times a day, but I think it's detracting from the time and connection that we have together if you're always doing that. Is that is that how you would handle it?
0: Yeah, look, I, I, everybody's different and everyone's need for connection and communication with other people is different. And you have to work out when does it interfere in your relationship? When does it become different? An issue and if it becomes an issue because instead of listening and sitting with you and having a meal your partner is off chatting to their friend that would be quite you know a significant interference or you're trying to do an activity together just the two of you and you know he or she goes off to message or, or make a phone call and that seems to happen constantly I think you've got to determine when it's too much for you and then bring it up, like I said, in a, in a gentle way with your partner to say, would it be okay if when we're doing something together, for example, like watching a movie, you know, is it okay if um, we, we just both focus on watching the movie and we don't, we're not always on our phones talking to other people? Now, that comes back down to creating boundaries again. So it's helping your partner create a boundary with that other person.
1: Yeah, okay. So that that applies then for other people, other activities, yep. hobbies, sports, all that. Obviously, where it changes is the, the extreme version that you mentioned about maybe having an affair.
0: Yeah, so look, that one... Um it's in the same category because, again, your partner's turning away from you, turning towards someone for and seeking that affection and that conversation, the communication, connection with another.
1: Well, it's a strong third influence It in is. A it's
0: a very strong third influence. And I think when it gets to that stage, it is, you know, often a sign that there's something quite um, dysfunctional, I guess, in the relationship. And that person is seeking whatever is missing in another relationship, and it, you know it becomes a form of betrayal. But let me ask you this, because we're not here talking about infidelity and betrayals. Mm. But sometimes, for um, if this is quite a significant problem in your relationship, can can all those other things feel like a betrayal? Like if your partner's always on the phone to other people, if your partner's always chatting to their mother or their best friend and you know is more open and chatty and um, gives more of their positive selves to that person and not to you, is that a betrayal?
1: Well, I think it can feel like a betrayal, can't yeah. it?
0: Yeah. So, you know, it is, it's a third wheel or a third influence in the relationship. And... You know, we're not talking about you have to be exclusive in a relationship, but you you have to be connected first. And the us of the relationship, the you and I, needs to come first before anything else. That includes children. Mm. And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, you don't look after your kids, you don't, don't feed them, feed you them. Don't <laughs> <laughs> take care of them, um, because then we'd have to call in child protection. However, um, but it does mean if you can take care of the unit of you and I, the us of the relationship, and make that a strong bond, everything else will sort itself out around you. So those extra things around you, influences, let's say, or people that want to have a big influence on you, um, they just become those extra positive things in your lives rather than a negative influence.
1: And I think what you've just said there is often overlooked because people are trying to put their kids first or whatever it is first. But if you're not solid and strong and secure in your relationship then that's going to have negative consequences anyway on those other things that you're wanting to assist anyway. So I think what you say is a good point. You've got to make that strong, set the boundaries. um, And then from there, you can be a lot more, um, uh, you can have a lot more influence on those things that you really want to help anyway.
0: Yeah, and, you know, these are just symptoms. You know, when it becomes problematic, they're just more symptoms that something's not quite right. NQR, Alex, yes. in the relationship. Yes. And they're little alarm bells going off. And, you know, before you allow it to continue for too long, it's time to address it and do something about it mm. as best you can.
1: Yeah. All right, so that's that's great. This is... Uh So what I've learned today (laughs) is that it's important for a couple to communicate openly with each other, let each other know if there is a problem, um, set appropriate boundaries Mm -hmm. um, and then work towards uh, both having the shared goals
0: yeah and that's a really good summary um and essentially that's a formula that will work with most things um but we just wanted to highlight you know when an external uh factor whether it's a person or a thing has a huge impact on the relationship and how it can actually like take over the relationship in some cases so and it's often
1: it's often present but not articulated like you know there's something that makes you upset or angry or you're not getting the attention you want, but really being able to think about what it is, what the cause is and potentially how to solve it uh, often goes um, undealt with.
0: Yeah, and and often you've just reminded me um, of the fact that sometimes we don't want to talk about it. So... You know, putting all our energies into a child or a pet or a hobby um, can be the buffer between us and the other person. So we don't have to address some of these things that are a bit more challenging and things that we need to to bring up. And, you know, it could be important things like we really need to talk about um, how unhappy I feel or the lack of money or, um, you know, the lack of excitement or interest or whatever it is that's disturbing you. So all that energy goes into another thing or person and then you can still function as, you know, two people in a relationship but there's a buffer there that, you know, it stops you from addressing the real issues.
1: Mm. Excellent. All right. Well, that's been very educational Yes. What I've learned is there are good threesomes and not so good threesomes.
0: <laughs> you had to throw that in. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> All right, then. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it and there's some good takeaways there. We'll catch you next time. Until then, it's goodbye from D. It's goodbye from A. It's goodbye from my phone. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode, then please consider subscribing to find out whenever a new episode drops. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, that's a little purple button on your iPhone, iTunes or Stitcher. You can, of course, go to our website at www.thednaofmindfulrelationships.com or our Facebook page, where you can like us and share our show with your friends. Send us an email to info at the dna of mindfulrelationships.com and ask us questions or give us feedback or maybe suggest some ideas for some upcoming shows we look forward to catching you next time and until then stay mindful